We are reading today from Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 to 22. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them. God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their mind and return to Egypt. So God led them, God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear on an oath. He said to them, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry out my bones up from, with you from this place. After leaving Sukkoth, they camped at El- Eltham on the edge of the desert. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left the place in front of the people. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a shepherd, and we need a shepherd. We need to be led. But Father, sometimes the places that you lead us into, we don't like them. And we wish we weren't in them, but Father, you see them as necessary places. Places that will shape and mold our character, if we will allow you to do that. And God, this morning as we gather around your word, it is holy. It is holy. It is your word. It is God-breathed that is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training up in righteousness. And God, you call us to come before you, to listen to what it is that you have to say to our hearts. And so, Father, would you now speak, and would you go all the way down to the joint and the marrow with where we're at? Would you speak very clearly so that none of us leaves here not knowing what it is that you said? And would you anoint this time with your Holy Spirit to bring all the glory and all the honor to you? We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I've got a question for you as we start out. Have you ever been in a place where you didn't want to be? In a a moment of time where you, you say, boy, I would rather be anywhere else but this place. Let me tell you about a time that I, I felt like that. When I came to our church in Minnesota, um, everything in Minnesota is about hunting and fishing. They, they live for that. And so one of the guys in the church had a cabin just over the border in Canada, and he came and he said, hey, Pastor, how'd you like to go fishing with me? Well, you don't have to ask me twice. like, sure, I'll go fishing with you. So we went out fishing, and we did okay. And one of the days we were on, there, the lake was huge. It was eight miles across on this lake. And we went out on this lake, and there was a back bay that we went into. And my friend and I were in the boat, and ah, we caught a few fish. And finally he said, you want to go in for breakfast? And I said, yes. I said, Let, let's go in for breakfast. And we turned around to look out at the big lake. What we saw, it, it was big, huge waves were on the lake. And it, we call them white caps. I don't know if you call them that. White caps where there were big, you know, the lakes were, or the waves, waves were so high that they had the white on the top of them. And he looked at me and he goes, uh, Pastor, he said, you're going to have to put your life jacket on. And he said, you're going to need to move up to the front of the boat. He said, this is going to be rough. We got out onto the, onto the big lake and we had to buck the waves and we had to buck the wind. And we'd go up onto the waves and then we'd come crashing down. And sometimes when we came crashing down, the boat would go like this. And I thought for sure there were several times that we were going to go down. I think I confessed every sin that I'd ever done in my life. Oh, I said, God, just please get us back to land safely. And we got back to the land, and I got out. It's like, land! 
And then the, one of the guys just a few hours later says, Pastor, you want to go back out in the lake? It's like, no, I'm just fine right here, right where I'm at. I was in a place that I didn't want to be. And some of you are in that place this morning. You're in a place where you don't want to be. Something's going on with your health. Something's happening with your, with your kids. Financially, something's going on. Something with your employment. Something with your spouse. It might be any number of things. But you're in the land between. Now, that's not a phrase that I came up with. A number of years ago, I, was, I walked into the office of my executive pastor in Minnesota, and I noticed, and I had, this had to have been a God thing because his office was so messy. And on his desk, there was this book, and I said, what's that book? It was called The Land Between. And he said, oh, this is a book. He said, I, I, I got this. He said, I haven't really gotten into it. And he said, here, he says, go ahead and take it and read it. I opened it up. I couldn't put it down. The guy's writing style, it, it so encapsulated me. And so I had to, who is this? Who's this Jeff Mannion? And I looked him up, and he's the pastor of the Ada Bible Church in Ada, Michigan. So when I go to church on Saturdays now, when I, I take time and I, I go online, and I need to be fed too, this is the guy whose church that I go to. I go to the Ada Bible Church and listen to his messages. And so a while ago, I thought, well, I'll just email him because he preached a message, and it so spoke to my heart. And I, I said, this is Joel from northern, northern Minnesota. And we went back and forth, and he'd always say, okay, Joel from northern Minnesota, and we'd talk back and forth. And we became friends over, I've never met him, but we became friends. And now it's Joel from Hong Kong, and we, we'll talk back and forth about the things that he said. And I asked him a while back, I said, Jeff, I'm going to be preaching a message. And I said, I'd like to know, would it be possible to use some of your material just to quote? And he said, Joel, you can use whatever you want. He said, you can quote me verbatim on that. He said, just whatever you want. He said, I want God to be given the glory. So having said that, some of the quotes that I have this morning are going to be his, and I'll make sure to to let let you know when those are. But as we look back at, at Exodus chapter 13, the Israelites are leaving. They're leaving Egypt. And why are they leaving Egypt? Because God desired for them to leave. Did you catch some of the terms that it was saying there in Exodus 13? It, it said, when, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them. Verse 18, so God led them. And then um, later on, it also talks about God's leading. And you notice there, God is leading them, but he's leading them from a fertile place. Egypt was an incredibly fertile place with the Nile River and all of, <clears throat> all of the silt and things that came in from the Nile River. It was a very, very fertile place. Where they were going was a very fertile place. When you talk about uh, Israel, what was it called? The land of milk and what? Honey, it was a very fertile place. But where God had them at that time was not a fertile place. The desert in the Sinai area was very dry, inhospitable. Things didn't grow there. There are places in the Sinai desert where it hasn't rained for two years. And this is the place that God led them to. God led them to. And for some of us, for some of us, we are in that place. We are in that land between. But notice, it's a land where God leads us to. And why does God do that? God leads, God leads into the, into the, uh, let me just read this. The space, uh, the land between is a space where of, is a fertile ground for spiritual transformation, as well as a place where God's grace is revealed in mighty ways. So one of the first thing is the land between is fertile ground for spiritual transformation. Why does God lead us through? Because God is desiring to do something in our hearts and our, in our lives. But in the same way that it's fertile ground for spiritual transformation, the land between can become prime real estate for faith. Tra- the land between, well, 
Okay, let me just get the quote right. While the land between is prime real estate for faith transformation, it is also the space where we can grow resentful, bitter, and caustic if our responses are left unguarded. The wilderness where faith can thrive is also the place where faith can dry up and die if we're not watchful. What is the what does the land between look like? A dear friend, her name is Wendy. We met Wendy and her husband Ed six, seven years ago. Ed was a we, we it was an interesting congregation we had in Minnesota because we had a lot of people who were snowbirds. And boy did they get a did they get a taste. A lot of them start coming back in April. I don't know if you watched the news. There was a terrible blizzard in the Midwest this, this past week. And it's the middle of April. They're all expecting, you know, to come home and the snow is all gone. You get one last taste of winter. Well, Ed was one of these guys in our church who he was a national broadcaster for a, a major uh, television network in New York. And what he did is he had, a, he had a, a weekend home in Minnesota. Now, Minnesota and New York are not close together at all. Friday afternoon when he get done taping his broadcast, he and his wife would get on their private jet and come back home. And in the summertime, they'd come back home, and then they'd go up to their lodge in Canada. Well, I'd, I'd seen him in church, and one guy said, you know who that guy is? And I said, I don't have a clue. And I said, well, he's this guy. His name is Ed. And so I thought, oh, I, don't, I don't know him. And we'd see him infrequently in church. Well, he called up, and he said, Pastor, can you come to my house? My wife has been diagnosed with cancer. We went to his house, and that was the first time we met Ed and Wendy. And Wendy was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And so we walked with Ed and Wendy through this, through this time, through times where uh, they got all the cancer to the cancer's back. Just this past summer, we got, uh, I got a telephone call from Wendy. I thought that they were in Washington, D.C. at this time, but actually they were back in, back in our area, and she called and she said, Pastor, can you come to the hospital? Ed's in the hospital. Ed was a big man. He was a big man. And I went in there. Here's this big man. He's got tubes sticking out all over the place. He's got air going up his nose. And he said, Pastor, he said, they tell me I have congestive heart failure. And, he said, and so we prayed with him, and he just wept and wept and wept through all this because he was a pilot. And he told him, you'll never be able to fly again. And so we went through this time, and a month later I get a call, a very frantic call in the morning, and she said, Pastor, Ed's dead. And it's like, what? And he just had died in, in bed that morning. And so I had to do the funeral for him. And so she walked through that, and we walked with Wendy through that. And the cancer has come back. And it's come back with a vengeance. And just, just a short time ago, we heard from her as well. Please pray for us, Pastor. My, her oldest son and daughter, have, daughter-in-law have been arrested for opioid abuse in North Dakota. And it's like, is she living in the land between? She is. Sometimes the land between looks like, like this. It's an illness that up to that time, the doctors simply haven't been able to give you any idea of what's wrong. It's a time of profound depression. It's a time where parents or loved ones are walking through a season of debilitating illness that leaves you with more questions than answers. It's a time when our children are not walking with the Lord. Or we could say a spouse is not walking with the Lord. Or it could be a time and a season of doubt. Doubt in ourselves, doubt in our commitment to God, and even our love for our spouse. It's the land between. But the land between, hear this, the land between is not the, the finished place. It's not the final place. The land between is the place that God wants to come and do his work in your heart and life. And the question is this. As you journey through the land between, will that journey result in deep spiritual transformation or will that journey result in deep spiritual decline? Your response 
your responses in that time will determine whether it will result in deep spiritual transformation or in deep spiritual decline. As the Israelites walk out, walk out of Egypt, we pick them up in, in Exodus chapter 15. And in Exodus chapter 15, it says, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went up into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in, in the desert without finding water. When they came to Mara, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. There's something that happens in Hebrew. This is just a little, I'm going to throw a parenthesis around here. Whenever you see that they give you a detail, a specific detail about something, you want to pay attention to that, especially in Hebrew, because they're doing it for a reason. And what did they say about the water? What was it? It was bitter. You want to watch that. You want to watch, okay, what's coming next? Because when it talks about what, how the water was, so, they, so the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? The water mirrors the, really the image of, of the people. Now remember, as the people came out of Israel, this was not a, not a group of God followers. Hardly. They're called a rabble in other places. These are people who are more attuned to the Egyptian gods than to God Almighty. And as they come out, they grumble and they complain against God. And look at what happened. But can't you, can't you kind of uh, commiserate with them? You've been three days without water. It's like, what is God up to? And then it says that, Mo, that um, God, the Lord showed Moses a piece of wood, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Then the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and, they, and there he tested them. What was God up to in this time? God was testing them, wasn't he? He was testing their hearts. And why is he testing them? We're going to see that in a second. Then the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and he tested them. And he said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord and do what is right in my eyes. Just stop there for a second. Because over a thousand years later, we're going to hear who say something very similar to this. We're going to hear the Son of God. We're going to hear Jesus say something very similar to this in in John chapter 10, verse 27. He said what? He said, my sheep... Hear my voice, and they answer me, and they listen to me. And here God is saying to them, if you will listen to me, and if you will do what it is, and, and carefully follow what it is that the Lord... Ah, then the Lord made a decree to them, and he tested them, and he said, if you listen carefully to the voice of God, and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep his decrees... I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where, they were, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped near the water. You know, inherent in that promise, inherent in that promise that God says, I'll not put upon you any of the diseases. What was he saying? If you listen to me, and you follow my decrees, and follow what it is that I ask carefully, he said, I won't bring upon you the diseases that I brought onto the Egyptians. He said, I am the Lord who heals you. Inherent in that promise is a very quiet, is a very quiet promise, or a very quiet question. And the question is this, will you trust me? Will you trust me? I don't know what, where you are, where, what you're walking through right now. You may be in that place, you're saying, I don't, I don't like this place, I don't want to be in this place. And yet, God as the shepherd leads, doesn't he? It was David who said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. We, we, we like that one, don't we? 
But a little bit further on in, in, that, in that psalm, and in Hebrew, here's, here's my second parenthesis, second geek time for you. In Hebrew poetry especially, it was made to be remembered. And they would do certain things to be able to help you to remember it. Sometimes they would have all the first words would all start with the same letter. Sometimes it would be alphabetically all the way down. In this psalm, in Psalm 23, that like many of the other psalms, they'll put the most important thing right in the very middle. So the very center of this psalm, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And here it is. I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. That's the very center. David is saying, if you forget everything else of this psalm, he says, this is what I want you to fixate on. I will not forget you. I will not leave you. And he's promised us that, hasn't he? Never will I leave you, and never will I forsake you. Inherent in this promise that God made here to the Israelites is this, is this question, will you trust me? Will you trust me? Would you do something for me? You're going to do it a couple times. Would you do something... Would you just raise your hands up? You can raise them up just a little bit. Okay. And say, God, I trust you. You are in this, and you are good. Okay. It's easy to say right here. It's much more difficult on Monday morning. God, you are in this, and you are good. Because is he? He is. And that inherent question, will you trust me? Will you trust me with your unbelieving spouse? Will you trust me with your financial situation? Will you trust me with your kids who said, said, Mom, Dad, hang it on your beak. I don't want to have anything to do with your God. Do you trust him? Some of us, we brought our kids to the altar when they were just in our arms and we dedicated those children to the Lord and some of those children have walked away and said, we want nothing to do with God and they're living their life like that. And you pray and you pray and you say, God, when's anything going to happen? And in the back of your mind, please hear that gentle voice of God. Do you trust me? I love your children. I love your spouse more than you do, more than you will ever know. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Second time now we, we see the Israelites and they're at a situation where they have no food. Excuse me just a moment. Where they have no food. No water, now they have no food. Exodus chapter 16. And it says here that the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they'd come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community, here again, what are they doing? Remember, as you journey through the land between, it is a place that is fertile ground for spiritual transformation, but in the same way that it's fertile ground for spiritual transformation, it is also a place where faith can go to die. And as they come through here, what are they doing? And and as you journey through, your response, your response to God will often determine whether or not that journey will result in deep spiritual transformation or in spiritual decline. What is their response to God as they're walking through? As they're walking through, what did they begin to do? The whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said, if only, if only. Do you remember what Egypt was like? You were slaves. You were treated horribly in that place. Do, Do you remember what that was like? But do we ever say that, oh, if only. If only I had done this. If only I hadn't done that. 
Oh, why did I marry this guy? He's going nowhere and he's taking me with him. Oh, why did I do this? Why did I do that? When it's over, it's over. And we have to sometimes go on from those things. We have to, if we have to repent of them, we repent of them. But God can even take our mistakes and use them to bring glory to him. And they said, oh, if only we're in Egypt. Because in Egypt, it says, uh, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you brought us out in this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And what did God do? What did God do in response to what it was that they said? What did, did he provide for them? He did. What did he provide for them? It was manna. I don't know what it is. They, they talk about it's like some people have said it, uh, and I, here again I'm using a very Western uh, illu- er, descriptive word, cornflakes. I don't know if we know what cornflakes are. Uh, it, some people say it's kind of like cornflakes that you'd find on the ground and they tasted sweet. And, and for six days, every day that they walked out for the next 40 years, Every day that they walked out, the manna would be on the ground. And they would pick it up, and God said, for six days, he said, you, can, you, you pick it up. On the sixth day, you pick up a double portion, because he said, that's going to be for the, day that, for the Sabbath day, so you don't have to go out. But he said, on every other day, he said, if you take a double portion, what's going to happen? It's going to have worms. God wants us to come to him every day. Every day. He doesn't want there to be, oh, I'll just stockpile this up. What was manna, though, to them? It wasn't just food on the ground. What was manna? Manna was God's divine blessing to them, wasn't it? It was his divine blessing to them. Now, same situation, same place, but let's look at it from another vantage point, and that's in in Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 to 6. And it says there, it starts out, it says, the rabble. What a nice word. What the rabble. These were the complainers. These were the ones who were griping. But we learned in in Exodus 16 that it's the whole community. It's not just the ones out at the edge. Not just the non-Jewish people. This is all of them. The rabble, they're called here, began to what? Look at that. What does it say? They began to what? Crave other food. Where did their food come from? Their food came from God. Every morning... Every morning they go out and they look and they see the divine blessing of God. Not only that, every morning do they go look down and see the divine blessing. Every day, every moment of the day, all they have to do is look up and they see what? Either the cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night. And we think, oh, if only I had the cloud by day and the pillar by night to show me where it is that I'm supposed to go. We have God's word, don't we? And as believers, we're called to do what? We're called to live by faith. It says the just shall live by faith. What, really what that means is the just should live a lifestyle, a lifestyle that is marked by faith. We have to trust in what God's doing. We can't always see what God is doing. We don't have that privilege. But even when people did see God, they didn't trust Him. And inherited that promise of God to the Israelites is the same question that is for us. Will you trust me as you walk through the land between? And they began to grumble, but not only that, they began to crave other food. God, what you give me is not enough. And against the Israelites and saying, if only we had meat to eat. I'm sick of this. I I am sick of the manna. But let me stop there for a second. Let's just put it in neutral for a second. Have you ever eaten something for a long time? In... (laughs) 
if my church in Minnesota was all about hunting and fishing, the church I pastored in Montana, that's cowboy country, and that, that church, they lived for deer hunting. When deer hunting season came along, everything stopped. I wouldn't see guys in church for over a month because they were all out deer hunting, elk hunting, antelope hunting, and all that, all that went on. And I just lost where I was going with that. Um, oh, okay, anyway. All right, so some of these guys, uh, some of these guys, they hadn't cooked anything in their life. Their wife, she even buttered the bread for them in their home. So these guys didn't, didn't know how to cook. So some of these guys, they'd go out for two weeks, and what they would take with them was three or four loaves of bread. Now, after two weeks, how many of those loaves of bread are still going to be good? But they take out three or four loaves of bread, two sticks of butter, and a big, long, it would be about the, you know, almost like a, like a football, but it would be what we call bologna, lunch meat. It's cheap. It tastes terrible. And they go out, and for two weeks, that's all that they would eat is bologna sandwiches with, with butter on them. Yuck. Yuck. And after they get done, they'd say, oh, I'd do anything for a steak right now. Some people, college kids, especially in the United States, they buy ramen noodles, you know, the little, the little soup packet, you know, soup noodles. After a while, it's like you don't even want to see those anymore. Can we commiserate with, with the Israelites? They're at a point where it's like, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. And as we travel, as we journey through the land between, do we ever say that? I'm sick of this. I'm sick of people not coming through and what they promised to do. I'm sick of the heat. I'm sick of my job, my spouse, where I live. I'm sick of having to take care of when there are others who are more capable. I'm sick of never having enough. I'm sick of my parents not knowing who I am. I'm sick of. As you journey through the land between, what's what's wearing you out? For some of you, it's I'm, I'm sick of laying in bed at night wondering where my child is at. Others of us, we're, we're sick of just being sick. Others of us, we're just sick of never knowing, never knowing what is it that God is going to do in the midst of this situation. And inherent in that question that God, or that promise that God made to the Israelites is that question that comes back again. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? One danger. They began to crave other food. Be careful of that one. Be careful when you desire other than what God has given to you. Guys, love the wife that you have. Love her with all of your heart. I look out and I see people from every, many, many different nations in this room. God's command to us as husbands, as husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church. Love your wife. Dote on her. She's worthy of it. Wives, respect your husbands. Well, I'll respect him when. Mm, that's not what it says. It says to respect your husband. And you know, in in times, in seasons like this, as we walk through these times, we wonder, God, what are you up to? And God doesn't show us, does he? God says, will you trust me? Will you love me? And will you walk in the direction where I'm calling you to walk? Well, one last time. We pick up the Israelites one more time in Exodus chapter 17. 
And again, there's no water. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water, and they grumbled against Moses. And they said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? And what does God say in response to this grumbling? He says what? He says, Take the rod in your hand and do what? You strike, strike the rock. And he says, when you do, what's going to happen? The water is going to come out. And there again, the Israelites could see God and, and see what it is that he did. But yet, did they trust him? And there's coming one last time when the Israelites would come to Moses grumbling about no water. And here the test was not for the Israelites. The test was for whom? It was for Moses. For God says to Moses, to what? He says, you speak to the rock. And Moses, ever the shepherd, don't don't lose sight of this. There are rocks and there are places that shepherds know where the water collects and where the shepherd can go. And if he strikes the rock in a particular place, the pool that is there will gush forth water, water that's collected in that spot. Moses, ever the shepherd, instead of doing what it was that God called him to do, He strikes the rock, and God says, that was over the line. And for that, you will not enter into the promised land. You'll see it, but you will not enter into the promised land. Moses, do you trust me? And in that time, Moses didn't. And I say to leadership as well, and to all of us here, do we trust God? Because in everything that God was leading his people through, He was whispering to them, do you trust me to provide you with water? Do you trust me to provide you with food? Do you trust me as you walk along this way that I'll be with you and I won't forsake you? Do you trust me? And in every time that God whispered to their hearts, every time that God whispered to their heart, they yelled through their reactions, what? No, we won't. And this land between This land between is a place where spiritual transformation can happen. But it's also a place where faith can go to die. Your response to that, your response in the midst of the journey will determine whether the land between will be a place where you will grow deeply with Christ or if it will be a place where you will decline in your spiritual life with God. It depends upon your response. This morning, what would you say is that thing that God is asking you to trust him with? Here's where I'm going to ask you to put your hands up one more time. And with what it is that God brings to mind right now, is it a child? Is it a spouse who doesn't know the Lord? Is it a medical condition? Financial situation? An employer who's like Attila the Hun? What is it? And will you say right now in your hearts, Lord, I trust you. You are good. You are in this and you are good. And as you pray that, as you pray that, give that over to the Lord. He is in this and he is good. Can you trust him? 
It's not can you, it's will you trust him as you walk in the place of his leading. The Lord is my shepherd, David said. I shall not be in want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou, thou art with me. And that is God's precious promise to you as you walk through the land between. He is your shepherd, and he leads us through. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you. And God, it's not easy to say that we trust you. It's not easy to say that you're in this and you're good because at times it doesn't look good. But you are a shepherd. And you care for us. Your word says, you who watch over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. You say that you promise that never would you leave us and never would you forsake us. You don't leave that place from in front of us. If anything, we are the ones who walk away from your presence. And Father, this morning, for some of us, we are walking, we're walking in the land between. And up until this point this morning, we have wondered, God, what in the world is it that you're up to? But God, I pray that we will see that your desire for us is not to harm us, but rather to strengthen and to build our faith for what you have as we come out of the land between. Lord, some of us say, if only we could see you. If only we could hear your voice. And Lord, we can. We can. As we listen, as we read through your scriptures, we can hear you. And you call us to walk by faith. And you said that those who come to you must come to you in faith. Must, those, who, those who come to you must come to you in faith. For you reward those who earnestly seek you. And God, I pray for those right now who are walking through really difficult seasons of life. And ask that, God, you would just come alongside of them in a very fresh and real way. Two, that God, that you would encourage. Because for some of us, we're we're not halfway through. And we want to rush the process. And yet, you continue to lead us day by day. I pray, God, for strength. Your word says that you will make all grace abound in us so that in all things, at all times, having all that we need, we will abound in every good work. Is it possible to have an attitude of thankfulness even as we walk through this valley? It absolutely is. The choice is whether or not we will respond with thankfulness as we walk through. Lord, like a shepherd, lead us. Lord, like a shepherd, would you come alongside of those today whose children are not walking with you? Their hearts grieve. And in the watches of the night, they weep. And they cry out to you and they say, God, when? Lord, would you come alongside of the spouse with an unbelieving 
husband or wife. And they long to have them next to them. They long for them to join them in what it is that that you are doing in and through them as a couple. And they say, God, how long? What's it going to take? And precious Father, would you come alongside of that spouse? And would you minister grace and comfort to them and encouragement to them as only you can? You say, when we pass through the waters, they will not go over us. In the same way that you are with us in the valley of the shadow of death, would you be with that spouse today who prays for her husband or prays for his wife? Lord, would you come alongside of those who it's like the bottom has dropped out? There's financial crisis. There's crisis with their health. There's crisis with an employer. They hate their job. They just don't want to go back. And God, in this time, would you help them to respond in a way that brings you glory? Lord, would you do the work in our hearts that only you can, and would we allow you to do that work so that, God, you are honored and, God, you are glorified. I pray, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for your precious hands to be over this congregation. And, Lord, would you gently lead us. And, Father, would you produce in us the fruit that you want. And I pray that, Lord, as we leave, as we walk out of this place today and walk into whatever place that you have us, that, God, we could say, I trust you. You are in this, and you are good. I pray this, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me as our Lord has taught us to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.